Hello, hello! Welcome back to Loki's Librarian. I am your librarian, Katrina. If you are new here, welcome. This is where I am reading through the enormous library books that you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. We have five Sundays this month, which means it is time for a little break from the heavy nonfiction with a work of fiction. And this month I am going with Starship Troopers, sci-fi classic favorite by Robert A. Heinlein. The accompanying cocktail is called Bug Juice. It is one and a half ounces of silver tequila, two and a quarter ounces of sour apple pucker, pineapple juice to top it off, and a cherry for garnish. So let's do this. First, I'm gonna go through the book, and I'm, I'm actually, I, I had originally planned to just go through the book and then kind of explain at the end why the movie was wrong, but as I was writing it, I realized, I, as I was writing my synopsis, I realized that I was explaining what the movie did wrong as a, as I went through it. So we're just going to kind of go through this and kind of show how the kind of show how the hack writers on the interwebs and possibly the one who, who adapted the book for the movie most definitely did not grok what Heinlein was saying. And um, what I'm referencing there is right here. That is what Heinlein was saying. I'll leave that up while I pour the tequila. Tiny bit of tequila left. Oh, this is going to be interesting. I don't think I have two and a half ounces here. So the book opens with Rico getting ready to make a drop on a planet. Not a bug planet. The, the bugs are there, don't get me wrong. They're definitely a major story plot point. But a different pl planet populated by skinnies, quote-unquote skinnies. Uh, beyond a vague description of what exactly that was, su such information as they have kind of... Yeah, I definitely don't have... Well, this is going to be a one-for-one, one, so it's not quite the same recipe as it said, but that's okay. We'll deal with it. The skinnies aren't really mentioned uh, beyond information later in the book that they become our allies, but it's describing a basic drop in a day in the life of the trooper. I mean, how phenomenally badass the pilots are and just what it's like to have a day in the life of, of a starship trooper. And uh, The best pilots in this story are women, and I'm pretty sure that there's actual historical precedence for that. I don't, I don't think my shirt's showing up here, but the... Uh, the WASP, which was the Women Air Service pilots in World War II, th their safety rating was unparalleled. And, and that's kind of a historical tangent, but it's something that, that Heinlein would have absolutely been aware of, given that he was in the military during World War II. Now, the book then pulls us back to the very beginning and how Rico ends up as a trooper. Hmm, nice. We're going to stir this up. Juan Rico, a.k.a. Johnny, and yes, he goes by Johnny in the book. It's not... Hollywood trying to whiteify the history or whatever, and that is an important factor because Rico is um, not from Buenos Aires in the book, in the, or in the book he is from the Philippines, which you learn at the very, very end, actually. I mean, you learn that at the last chapter. He says something in the comments that his native language is Tagalog, so that's, you know, Filipino. His family is very wealthy, and his father wants him to go to Harvard and then follow into the family business and take over running everything. Uh, and Rico kind of, he didn't intend to join the service. He actually really didn't. It wasn't, there was no love interest in Carmen. She is mentioned peripherally at the very beginning and then somewhere near the end of the book. But she wasn't his reason for joining. He didn't join up for her. There was no other love interest. This is very much about one man's movement forward in life and taking responsibility for his life and his actions. But he, he ends up recruiting because he goes with his friend Carl, to, to, he meets his friend Carl at the recruiter's office. 
he, he initially goes to tell Carl, hey, I'm not going to join up. My, my dad talked me into joining the family business. Dad wants him to go on a cruise to Mars and then start Harvard. But while they're there, the lovely Carmencita Abanas, the prettiest girl in their class, shows up and announces that she is set to join too with an eye towards being a pilot. That, that's literally the last we hear of her. From this point until like chapter 12, she vanishes. She's not that big a plot point. But in trying to impress Ibanez, Rico then goes, decides on the spot, yes, he's going to join up. So they go in. Ibanez is sent to the women's recruitment location. Rico and Carl talk to the recruiter who in the book is missing, is missing both legs and one arm. Turns out this is entirely by design. The, the military wants... Are you going to behave? All the way in. We have puppies joining us today. You don't get alcohol. You're too young to drink. You're only seven. That's, that's one in human years. Where was I? The military wants to discourage the walk-ins who just want to try it out and those who won't really make it through the course. So they set these you know, extremely wounded veterans up to handle the recruits because that's going to discourage those fly-by-night walkers, right? Um, and they want to discourage those who aren't going to make it through the course. I mean, it's literally anyone's right to perform service and earn their citizenship. Anybody can, literally. You can walk in and they'll find a spot for you. It might be as a cook, it could be as a test subject for medical experiments, but they will find something for you to do so you can earn your citizenship. Uh, the difference being civilians, citizens, all right? Uh, civilians, of course, are those who are born there. You are, everybody's legal. It's all planet Earth. You can go anywhere you want on the Earth. There's not really any borders. But if you want citizenship and the right to vote, you have to serve. That's the only way to get it. So they make it as easy as possible to join. You, you literally just have to walk in and sign a paper. They also make it as easy as possible to resign. Uh, after signing up, they give you a weekend to think about it. Literally, they send you home. If you don't return, no harm, no foul. You're, you're discharged as a term not completed. You're never eligible to try again. That's your one shot. If, if you don't come back, you blew it, and you're never going to get another shot at it. But they're not going to, like, arrest you for AWOL or anything like that. There's, it's just, that's it. That was your shot. You blew it. You're done. You're going to be a civilian your entire life. You'll never get the right to vote. You'll never be franchised. That's fine. What does be, and, and that's it, right? That's what being a citizen means is the right to vote. And, and basically that's it. The right to vote, the right to be a, a political figure. But think about it for a moment. I mean, the right to vote here in the 21st century is really taken for granted. Um, especially here in 21st century America, where we have abysmal voting rates. In Highland's future, you have to earn that right through federal service. And frankly, not everyone has what it takes to be a citizen in Highland's world and, and earn that right. And the book even mentions, because uh, Rico addresses that, he says, well, why don't you just have everybody required to serve a term? And then and it gets shot down just as quickly. And, and I know that you know, there are several mem um, service members. I, I heard Tim Kennedy say this once, that he thought everybody should perform some sort of military service. Well, here's, here's why Highland shoots that idea down. Forcing everyone to serve results in lazy soldiers and drops the quality of service overall. You have to want it. It has to be something that you are willing to earn and work for. And if you don't care to go for it, you don't deserve it. And at this point in Highland's future, federal service is a pure meritocracy. All right? Literally, if you suck, you don't advance. There is no, oh, my daddy's a general. He's going to get me in as an officer. Everybody starts as a private, everybody. And if you want to advance to officer, you have to be a career. You don't get to go to college and then join up as an officer. You start as a private, you work your way up. It's a pure meritocracy. Terms of service are for two years, unless it is time of war, and when your service might then be extended. And when Rico joins, we're at peace. So his stint was only supposed to be for two years. And the boot camp is brutal. Uh, when he arrives, there are 2,009 men who start. Only 187 graduate and become troop troopers. That is like a... 
some enormous 90% fail rate. Oh, I might, I might do the math. I might feel ambitious to do the math. I'm not going to swear to it. I need to try this. I like that. She didn't actually give directions for how much pineapple juice. It just said use pineapple juice to top up. But all I'm tasting is the pineapple. So I could see where I could get hammered really fast on something like this and not even be aware that it was happening. I'm not driving anywhere today. I can get hammered. I'm not gonna, but I could. 187 graduate, 14 die, die in training accidents. And it's obviously they don't want that to happen, but it does happen. If they die, they're automatically uh, advanced to a... a, a um, citizen so they're posthumously granted citizenship one is executed and the rest resigned dropped out transferred to an easier branch or received a medical discharge there was at least one bad conduct discharge uh, and, and i'll include that story uh, because it's, it's semi-relevant in the movie conglomeration of things but they make it easy to leave all right i mean just like when you didn't have to come back after your two-day cooling off period you could have just left well you can't just leave you have to notify your sergeant that you want out but that's it you say hey i'm done hand in your resignation and you're out just leaving is desertion but they're not going to come after you unless you do something really gross we'll get to that too so your term of service is marked incomplete you can never re-enlist you remain a civilian that's it there now the sergeants beat the ever-loving shit out of their recruits uh, not, I mean, literally, mentally, physically, all of it. They're winnowing out the week. There are three incidents which stand out and are described in detail. The, the dishonorable discharge is the first one. Uh, Rico was acting as the captain's orderly due to a minor injury that kept him from field training for a few days. And in marches Sergeant Zim, a couple of the other recruits, and recruit T.C. Hendrick. While on a freeze drill, Hendrick broke ranks. Now, Zim immediately knocked him down and told him to freeze. Freeze drill is exactly what it sounds like. You're told to freeze. You better f freeze. Uh, the point of the drill is that if you are in enemy territory and you're told to freeze, any movement could draw enemy attention to you and thus to your teammates. So you better f***ing freeze. That's the point. Well, Hendrick froze on an anthill and decided that was not acceptable and tried to move. Zim told him to freeze, knocked him down. Hendrick jumped up and punched Zim in the face. Zim and subsequently Captain Frankel tried everything they could to get this idiot to shut up and accept administrative punishment, which I don't remember what the administrative punishment had been designated for. It is in the book. But Hendrick wouldn't stop talking and talked himself into a court-martial when he admitted to hitting a federal or a superior officer. Um, yeah, incidentally, when people are trying to get you to shut up, there might be a reason for it if you're in the military. Uh, even today, there's probably a reason for them trying to give you the chance to just shut the hell up and accept what's going on. Hitting a superior officer is one of the forbidden things. You should you should never, ever do that. Just because I'm going to dump the rest of the tequila in there, there's not much. So I'm just going to dump it in there and get rid of it and get rid of my little minis. Captain Frankel convenes a field court-martial, which is an act of mercy. Uh, the, the mercy being that had it been a full field marshal and not just, or a, a, a full court marshal, not just a field court marshal, Hendrick would have been hung for his actions. They, they'd have killed him for striking a superior officer. And they didn't want to do that. But both Zim and Frankel were aware that to some degree Zim was at fault. Now, he wasn't at fault for making him freeze. He wasn't even at fault for making him jump back down and lay on the anthill because you don't, you don't get to move around when you're in the field. And you might be laying on an anthill in the field. You still better freeze because movement could draw attention. 
where Zim screwed up was in not being prepared for the possibility that Hendrick might jump up and pop him. If he'd been prepared, the blow never would have landed and it never would have gotten this far. And Zim essentially admits to all of that to Frankel after the fact, because you really can't admit to being wrong in front of the recruits. You, you just can't. Not when it comes down to a life and death matter. And this is life and death. They're training them how to survive war. There's no in-between there. Um, as it is, Hendrick received 10 lashes and a bad conduct discharge. Rico overheard Zim admitting to Frankel. Not intentionally. He had been asked to step out. It's just, it, it's essentially like a, like a cubicle situation. Where, so the walls are paper thin. And he just, he, he overheard it. And, and Hendrick, at worst, would have resigned. And at best, he would have accepted the administrative discipline if that blow had never landed. One who was executed was a guy who did desert, which again, stupid, because all he had to do was just tell your sergeant that you wanted to out and you'd be home by supper, but he decided to desert. That's one of the 31 charges that will land you on the gallows, but as Rico explains, it's rarely enforced unless special cir circumstances attach. Well, in this case, circumstances attached. The deserter kidnapped a kid and tried to hold her for ransom, and the kid died in the process. So mobile infantry steps in and took care of their own. And in this case, that meant hanging him. And his name was struck from their roles. Uh, Rico went really harsh. He said the recruiter who signed the guy up should have also been stripped of his honors. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the recruiter's fault, what the guy did. But, you know, it's Heinlein's story, so okay. The third incident that stands out is Rico's own lashing. So he did get lashed in the movie... It was for failure in a training exercise, and it sort of was that. Um, at this point in the story, Rico's made it over the hill, the hill being the point where if you're going to resign, you're going to do it before this point. If you make it past that hump, you're over the hump, you're there. While in boot, Rico receives two letters, one from his mother explaining that while his father is still mad, she still loved him, one from his history and moral philosophy teacher, Lieutenant Colonel Dubois. In the movie, they combined Dubois with Rico's first troop lieutenant, Ratchak, but in the book, Dubois was his own character, and he was delighted to find out that Rico had followed him into the mobile infantry, and his letter sees Rico over the hill. Turns out Zim knows Dubois, too, but the point of that is when Rico screws up bad enough that he could be discharged, Captain Franklin Sergeant Zim determined that he could be salvaged, and he is instead sentenced to five lashes. Not ten, five. So what did he do? Uh, they were in a training simulation, wasn't a live fire situation, and the exercise called for precise math to put down the next round uh, in the field. And instead of using the heads up display and actually calculating where the drops should go, Rico, because he was not good at math, so because Rico is not good at math, he just kind of flips the visor up, eyeballs where the bomb is gonna go and shoots it. Well, of course the sergeants caught all this because that's what they're there for that's their job is to catch people who are you know around and make them find out what happens when you fuck around so they immediately cut the power to his suit they, they were wearing uh, battle armor which is electric and because it's a simulation the commanders all have control cut the power to his suit leave him sitting in the field for the rest of the training exercise and as soon as the training exercise is over zim frog marches him to captain frankel and tells him what happened now no one died as a result of this, but, and this is important to p understand, MI does not pass subpar troopers. Full meritocracy. Taking that shortcut in training can and will lead to friendly fire deaths in the field. 
So this is something he could have been discharged, and rightly so. But Frankel asks point blank, can we save this trooper? And Zim says, I believe so, yes. And so Rico is given five lashes. And points out that the good thing about administrative discipline and training is it does not go on your permanent record. It just stays in camp, and they burn that file once you're out. So you take your lashes and you move on. And Zim does give him a mouth guard to protect his teeth. That happened in the movie. It happened in the book. I mean, clearly whoever adapted the screenplay had actually read the source material. Not sure if they liked it, but they did at least read it. I think he probably did like it, but then co-authors got involved and it just turned into a cluster. Um, so after completing all training, Rico is assigned to Ratchak's Roughnecks aboard the Roger Young. Uh, fun historical note, Roger Young was a private with the 148th Infantry in World War II on July 31, 1943 on the island of New Georgia Solomons, South Pacific. He single-handedly attacked and destroyed an enemy pillbox position. He was wounded multiple times, dying in the process, and received a posthumous medal, for, medal of Honor for his actions. So there's, there's some, there are lots of hints that this isn't just like a far-off planet. It's not a Star Wars thing in a galaxy far, far away. This is very much an Earth-based book. Now, in the book, Ratchak does die, leaving the troop under the command of Lieutenant Jalal. And it's while they're on rest and recovery, one of the other sergeants kind of floats the idea of Rico going career. And Rico thinks about it for like 12 hours and then goes to Jalal and says, yeah, I want to go career, which is like a 20-year term of service. He's promptly transferred to office, officer candidate school. And we spend a chapter there. Now, in the modern U.S. military, you have to be a college graduate to be an officer. In Highland's Future of Meritocracy, you just have to be highly competent to be an officer. Wouldn't that be lovely if all officers were competent? Um, and Rico was that level of competent. And on his way to OCS, he meets his father. See, the bug blast on Buenos Aires that launches Rico's career in the movie happened in the book, too. In the book, his mother had been there shopping when it happened. And Rico had assumed his father was with his mother, but his father had not been. And following Buenos Aires... Rico's father joins the mobile infantry too, specifically looking for Johnny. And while they have this, it's like a 30-minute reunion where they do a quick catch-up, he admits that part of why he's been so mad that Rico joined up was anger that he had never had the willpower to do the same. Which is kind of a nice gratifying thing, right? I, I You know, a, a respect for your son having grown up into a man. That's awesome. So Rico goes through OCS, and the final run before being commissioned is to serve as a third lieutenant on an actual assignment with his captain determining his pass or fail. And again, just like with trooper training, you could be booted out for any number of things, but when they boot you out of officer school, you go back to your original command at your permanent rank. So whatever your rank was when you went into OCS, that's going to be your rank for the next 20 years. So if you failed OCS, he'd have been stuck at sergeant forever. There would have been no field commission for him. He'd have been stuck at sergeant forever. On his final training exercise, uh, training for Rico, that is, his team is set to planet P, and on P, they get their first real break in the bug war when the bugs tunneling under the squad cause a collapse, and Rico's sergeant is lost in the tunnel. Rico takes the MI motto of everyone fights, no one quits, no one's left behind to heart. And that's not just Ratchak's roughnecks who have that motto. That's literally the mobile infantry. Everybody, from private to general, fights. There are no armchair generals. There is nobody sitting back at a command post. The generals are in the field. The sky marshal's at the command post, but the general's in the field with everybody else. So he immediately jumps into the tunnels with the squad and makes contact with his sergeant. 
who advises that he is surrounded and can't leave, but is basically safe. And this is an interesting conundrum because you're surrounded, you can't leave, but you're safe. How does that work? Well, the reason being, the sergeant had captured one of the brain bugs, so the warriors couldn't attack him without literally attacking their own brain. But Sergeant Zim, yes, that Zim, couldn't leave either, or the warriors would tear him to pieces. So it was a catch-22. He's stuck, he can't move, the warriors can't attack. It's, it's a standoff. It's a, you know, for a real Mexican standoff. No such problem for the squad, who came up behind the bug, slaughtered them wholesale, and rescued Zim. Rico passes his OCS final and is commissioned, eventually becoming lieutenant aboard the Roger Young and in charge of Rico's Roughnecks. And the war rages on. And that's kind of where the book goes. This book, I mean, like, hints of it are in the movie. I mean, all the elements are there, right? You've got, in the movie, they changed him to being from Buenos Aires versus Philippines. I, I, one of the, the quacks online said it was because of all the Nazis who moved to Buenos Aires. I don't know about that. It could have just been because that was a good plot device of his whole family was murdered in Buenos Aires and the bug drop happened on Buenos Aires in the book. So it's hard to say. It's hard to say, did the author, did, not, not, not Heinlein, the, one, the, the script writer who adapted the book for the movie, was that intentional like this quack online says? Or was it just because he actually read the book and was like, well, we need to compact this into a full two hours and it's Hollywood, so we have to give them love interest, so let's do a love triangle? I don't know. In the book, all mobile infantry were men. I, I get it, all right? It's PC to say that women can keep up with men, but really we can't. But in the book, women are widely acknowledged to be better pilots, and all the pilots mentioned in the book are female. Uh, the other time, the one other time we see Ibanez in the book is when she shows up at OCS and asks if she can take Rico out to dinner, like, pretty please. And he's granted an incredibly rare three-hour pass to do just that because she is so beautiful. Fine, I'm cool with that, right? It's important, as he says in the book, for the mobile infantry to remember why they're fighting. And a lot of that has to do with protecting loved ones back home. And women are very real, always have been, a very real physical manifestation of why men fight. In the movie, ay ay ay. Join the mobile infantry and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. It's fun for a popcorn flick, unless you're the you know brainless moron who said it was an allegory for American military fascism. Maybe the movie was. I don't know. Uh, There's a website called Weird History that points out the Felgras of the uniforms of the Nazi-adjacent shoulder decorations on Sergeant Zim. Not sure if that's an accurate assessment or not, but with Hollywood involved, it would not surprise me. Uh, But here's the thing, and this is really horrifying if that's all accurate, is if that's the underlying message that Hollywood is shooting for, uh, then Hollywood has been selling the narrative that we should just let hostile forces bomb us and not respond since at least 1997 when this movie was released. Uh, the general in the movie uh, hiding in a cabinet to evade detection, uh, that that's against MI policy, right? Everybody fights, no one quits. The officers in the book were all under hypno-order to suicide in case of capture to avoid spilling secrets. So, yeah... It would be nice if people adapting books for movies actually liked the source material. I don't know. The lesson of self-responsibility and freedom bleed across the pages in the first sentence. Um, I always get the shakes before I drop. That's literally the first sentence. Uh, But he still chooses to drop. And he could refuse. Again, at any point he could refuse. He would receive a medical discharge. He probably wouldn't receive a citizenship. 
because he didn't complete his term of service, but he would be medically discharged for this psychological reaction, basically. But he could refuse to go, and he didn't. Every time he gets the shakes, but he still drops. He still does the jump. He chooses to go into federal service. He chooses mobile infantry, the hardest branch in the military. He chooses it. He chooses not to resign. He chooses to go career. He chooses OCS. He chooses to follow Zim and leave no man behind. And he was kind of, I don't want to say he was ordered not to, because if he was ordered not to, that's, that's not, you know, I don't know that he would have passed his OCS. But still, it was a choice, and he didn't have to make it, and he went with it. That, that leave no man behind is the other important ethos of military fighting, right? That's responsibility. You don't get to be a citizen with rights to vote until your term of service has been satisfactorily completed. Why would that be? Because in the future, that's the system of government that works. And yes, yes, I get that it's fiction. But what works about it is that everyone who can vote understands the blood price that is paid to ensure people remain safe. They understand what it means to their absolute core to put themselves between evil and those who need protecting. There's not nearly enough people who understand that. Our own society is rapidly approaching the breaking point, right? National divorce and U.S. currency losing its status as a world currency are actually being talked about openly. These are not good things. To, well, national divorce, I'm like, okay, maybe. But yeah, none of this is good, right? It's being openly, publicly discussed in Congress. I don't know that only allowing those who have served the right to vote or served politically is the answer, at least not today. But if society collapses, that, that's a good chance that that's where we're going to be. I do know that what we've got now with only the extremely rich able to serve and making themselves richer off the graft and corruption that is endemic in Washington, it's not working real well. We've got problems, big, massive, plural problems in Washington, D.C. right now. And that is where reading Starship Troopers kind of led my brain. That, that last little bit about how we're breaking down and this is what works or this is what works in the, for, for Highland's future. Freedom is never truly free, right? It must be paid for with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And that happens periodically throughout history. And only those who are capable of self-responsibility can truly understand the value of freedom. That's it for this week. If you uh, liked what you saw, don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you guys next Sunday. Bye.